0: I know that Kurt Hummel was not, like, the start of the bitchy gay best friend stereotype. However, I do think he's one of the best examples when he puts his mind to it. Hello, and welcome to the Sing Stations podcast. My name is Eliza, and if someone told me to sing a disco song for my Glee Club, I would sing Kermit the Frog's hit single, Disco Frog, off of the album Sesame Street, Sesame Disco.
1: That's such a good fucking song.
0: If you haven't heard Disco Frog, do yourself a favor and
1: go listen to Disco Frog. My partner and I have a vinyl that's called Disco Duck, that is uh, Donald Duck covers of disco songs, or like original disco songs in a Donald Duck voice, where he's like, That's my Donald Duck impression.
0: Have you listened? Please tell me that it has a cover of Disco Duck by Donald the Duck.
1: Yes, I'm. I that's that's the premise of it, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, good. Um, Hi, my name is Olive, and I just want to say this episode, the University of Michigan, really jumped out of Darren Chris. Oh my God! Don't get me started. (laughs) The theater kid, the BFA. We get it. You were in Star Kid. The BFA jumped out this episode as you may have guessed from our intros is saturday night Gleaver. i would say one of the better themes they do bar none it's just so fun i have no it's really
0: fun what i do love about a lot of like the themed episodes of glee is how like intensely they refuse to justify themselves yeah they're like there's a disco floor in the glee club room now deal with it if you Who have questions, for- that's a you problem.
1: Yeah. Who paid for this? How did they move it in there? Fuck you.
0: They're constantly like, the Glee Club doesn't have a budget. We need to be so 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 worried about the Glee Club not having a budget. And then they're like, Well to be fair, Sue is
1: helping out now. So I think it's kind of implied that like she's giving them money or that it's coming from partially the Cheerios budget. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway. This episode opens up strong off the bat with um, the blame cover of You Should Be Dancing by the Bee Gees. It's a dance heavy number. It's so good. He does such an amazing job. I love the falsetto, the dance that he does with Mike and Brittany. And Darren is
0: keeping up with these two professional dancers, shall I say. Before we actually get into the episode, I would like Mm -hmm. to address the Here's What You Missed on Glee yeah Um, which ends with in fact a lot of the new directions have no idea where they're going and graduation is right around the corner (laughs) they should change their name to the no directions
1: honestly that's such a good burn to ridicule your own uh script writing or naming process on your own show but yeah uh the the you should be dancing cover is amazing we it kind of starts off in like the classroom and they do the little like tapping our pens to the tune of the song and then we look up and there's a disco ball in the classroom
0: and it's just a fun dance number from there it's giving high school musical too and i mean that as a compliment i genuinely think that high school musical two is the best high school musical movie
1: yeah um and so so because the the number kind of transitions i will say i would have liked a mike solo on this i think they could have given him a line
0: i would always like a mike solo on everything
1: yeah they they could have thrown him a bone
0: yeah we, we should could've... give up on the the Mike can't
1: sing and he's it's on great. stage for the whole thing him and britney are on stage for the whole thing they they couldn't have gotten something anyway still a great cover though and apparently um they are performing this because this year's nationals theme is
0: vintage did
1: last year's nationals have a theme
0: i don't think it did is the yeah. thing yeah
1: so, and so they were like, oh, we were thinking vintage, but something with a lot of energy. So we wanted to do disco. And of course, Will is like super excited about this. He's like, oh, we did disco when I was in Glee Club. And everyone's like rolling their
0: eyes because. Well, it wasn't vintage then, Mr. Schuster.
1: Yeah, because also they show us a clip of like, you know, the Singsations Glee Club uh, that Will Schuster was in. And they look horrible in these like tacky orange and yellow loud disco outfits not even really disco they
0: look like cheap party city costumes i love the thing that i love about the glee costume department is you can tell who they don't like yeah when they just gave up
1: and and will is like oh this is so great i'm so excited for everyone to do disco and then everyone in the audience they go well there's one problem with that disco sucks and they all shout it they are wrong This is a pro-disco podcast.
0: This is a pro-disco podcast. I genuinely, I am two seconds away from going back into my drawer and pulling out the You're Wrong About podcast t-shirt merch that I got that says Disco Never Died a bunch of times. Because Mm -hmm. Disco Never fucking died. I am being so serious. Not Once again, on our podcast, telling you to go listen to another podcast. But go listen to the Disco episode of You're Wrong About.
1: And can I say something about the disco sucks thing? Is it just me? Or do you not have to know a little bit about disco in order to know that you should say disco sucks when someone brings up disco? You know, that's an excellent question. Do people who have just a normal a normal level of not disdain for disco but not preference for disco as well, do they know that they should say disco sucks in response to a situation like this because it seems like everyone in the glee club knows that that is the canned
0: response yeah and there's a reason for that again the you're wrong about episode it's masterful um but like the thing is first of all i refuse to believe that kurt hummel camp icon does not fucking love share
1: yeah you cannot tell me that Kurt Hummel does not want the John Travolta suit that will be mentioned.
0: Here's the thing. I don't mean to stereotype, but Mm -hmm. every single other gay man that I know who is of an age with how old, you know, Kurt Hummel would be now, loves Cher. Yeah. And I'm not saying that white gay men are a monolith. Of course not. I'm just saying, that there is a pattern of, but, but she's She's Cher. literally share. Cher. When I went to go see Mamma Mia Two, I had no context for who Share was because that's what the type the of fuck, right? That's the type of homeschool that I was. So afterward, I was like, "That was a really good movie," and she was excellent. But, like, I don't understand why everybody in the entire theater cheered. Like, what's? And I posted on Facebook, like, "What's the deal with Share?" Like, not in a derogatory way, just like I genuinely don't understand. And my friend messaged me like have you been dead for the past your entire life and I was like no I was just homeschooled
1: that's so fucking funny I have to leave that in
0: he was like do you just like hate music and I was like no that's wild it was just like I thought you said that you listened to a bunch of 70s music because that's the music your parents played for and I was like yeah and it was all compilation cds
1: so I just gotta say,
0: Kurt Hummel would fucking kill a cover of "Believe" by Cher. And oh I'll my god,
1: it I cannot. That believe. is a hill I
0: will die on.
1: See, we don't have to do. And here's what you didn't miss on Glee this episode because you just did it right there. They should have made Kurt do a Cher song.
0: Chris Colfer has the pipes. This is not the point. We need to move on. Anyway, so
1: we cut into like further into a Glee Club meeting and will is moving around these little wooden dolls he has that represent everyone in the glee club and he's like watching all the teens like talk to each other about their futures and puck brings up his idea of which he calls noah's ark pool cleaning service terrible name
0: i actually think that that's a hysterical name yeah it's Um, bad but it's bad on purpose the way that glee comedy writing is.
1: Um he says if he does uh 20 pools a week at 50 bucks a pop and he tries to put it into his phone or a calculator and Mercedes goes "Do you even know how to use a calculator?" Good question. Um that would be making that would be him making a $1,000 a week, which if you know how many weeks there are in a year, it's 50 th- 52 $52,000 a year, which is not a bad salary for one person. It is a bad salary for one person in L.A. Yeah. And so as Finn is, like, looking around the room, or I'm sorry, not Finn, as Will is, like, looking around the room, Um, he's looking at Finn and notices, you know, uh, Finn has all this talent, but no self-esteem. And Mercedes is also super talented, but she doesn't have vision. That's um awesome. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. She has, like, a whole monologue about it. Um, And he says, oh, I'm really worried about Santana because she has ambition, but no focus. And as he says that, he knocks over the little wooden statue that represents Santana, which is frankly sadistic.
0: I'm going to say something, and I'm only being like half serious, but like that knockover was racially motivated. You're right, and you should say it, bitch.
1: Um, And then also Santana does get a great line, or not a great line, but a line that I think reveals something about her character. She says, blaine's handsome brother said it best college is a waste of time i just want to be famous plain and simple i don't even care how it happens i just want everyone to know my name which is uh definitely an insight into her character Uh, luckily i think she loses it pretty quickly this episode
0: yeah i definitely knew people like that in high school
1: and we cut to will um or i guess it's kind of implied that this monologue that we were hearing is him talking to sue and so we cut into him talking to sue in her office and she says let's be honest william you've been out of ideas since madonna week he has she's right um and she says why don't you embrace that lazy horribly preachy style of teaching and just assign them a famous album and uh you know it was such a success for rumors And it seems to solve everyone's problems instantly, which you may remember that the rumors episode was the episode we learned that Sam was homeless. And she suggests Saturday Night Fever. And Will is immediately like, that's a great fucking album. I love that album. But one problem. The kids hate disco. Womp womp. They're lost. And Sue goes, but they love swag, which is... The first time I've thought about the word swag in so long. I go so many periods of time not thinking about the word swag. And then it hits me like a fucking train every time.
0: Unfortunately, every single time I think about Justin Bieber, I do have to think about the line swag, swag, swag on you, sitting by the fire while we eating fondue from his song (laughs) Boyfriend. (laughs) That's so Do you remember the
1: song Swag It Out that Disney Channel made Zendaya release?
0: No, thank God. Swag It
1: Out is so fucking good. Well, and by good, I mean bad. It's Disney Channel. Um, And so Sue suggests that they give the Glee Club some kind of uh, award because some kind of award or, you know, challenge, competition always gets the Glee Club going. And so um, put a pin in that for now we cut to kind of the b plot of this episode where um curt and mercedes are talking he says she got into defiance college in cleveland state but he suggests nyu and like kind of wants mercedes to come to new york with them and they are approached by another student who calls herself their biggest fan i don't believe we've ever seen this character before no
0: no we really hadn't um so We've certainly is... never seen anyone who was proclaiming themselves to be the biggest fan of Kurt Hummel, which is a travesty. Do you um,
1: think you would have been normal about it if someone walked up to you in high school and said, I'm your biggest fan, I've been to all of your shows? Um, I would assume I, I had a stalker.
0: Yeah, I would have been concerned. Um, but, like, I, I guess for a public high school in, like, a minor metropolitan area... I mean, I see, like, the the boards of things when I'm driving around, like, fall, spring. It's just like, this school is doing this show. Come see it these days for this much for tickets. And so I guess if you all live in, like, the same kind of area and they are putting out signs, like, I'm making a lot of assumptions. Um,
1: But Unique Unique says she's their biggest fan, which is just so odd to me to say to someone who's, like, a year older
0: than you. I think they're two years older than her at this point, because... Okay. Well, it- anyway,
1: um, she even says she boycotted West Side Story because they weren't Tony and Maria. And I just gotta say, I will say, justice for Kurt Hummel and justice for Mercedes in all situations, but that would be a terrible production of West Side Story.
0: Here's my thing with uh, saying I've been to all of your shows. I thought that West Side Story was the only show they did. Um, Rocky Horror, I guess? No, but they weren't allowed to perform that in front of people. I I
1: don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe, maybe big, just their glee club. Their glee club performances. That would make much more sense. But neither of them have ever had a solo in competition. I don't anyway, know. So for context with this character, um, the character introduces herself as Wade Adams. However, we will quickly find out that this character has a sort of um feminine persona and likes to express herself more femininely for the journey that this character will go on we will refer to unique with she her pronouns and oftentimes with unique unless explicitly stated otherwise similar to what we do for coach beast we refer to beast with he him pronouns just in context with where we know the character goes so um unique introduces herself and says she goes to vocal goes to carmel and is part of vocal adrenaline but you know promises she's not a spy she's just here um because jesse st james is now the coach of vocal adrenaline and kind of has been forcing everyone to be the best they can be uh, pushing them over the edge of course as we know vocal adrenaline coaches are wont to do and um we see this cutaway where he calls Unique Chunks McGirdle. Um, which is of course horribly insulting. And I just have to make people aware again, anytime you hear a character on this show insulted, it is Ryan Murphy insulting the actor. Yeah. Insulting the actor's appearance. And that just makes it feel like even worse. Um and so Mercedes and Kurt are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry he's been so awful to you. And Unique sets, you know, it's the kids at school bully me, and my parents aren't great either. But ever since I was a kid, I would play this game where I would pretend I was a different person. And she goes by the name Unique, which is interesting because, um, at the for the time being, this character is presenting as male to Kurt and Mercedes. Um, and so we get this like cutaway that's kind of like a reimagined. Unique introducing herself to Kurt and Mercedes, where she's wearing like a fur coat and has sunglasses, and uh, they say she has exquisite taste and she walks on a red carpet, and says her grandparents were Andre Leon Talley and Beyonce. Only the best will do for Unique, and like it's it's just beautiful. It seems for this. It really episode, says if
0: Kurt Hummel and Mercedes Jones had a love child, it would be Unique. Kind of iconic, but also, like, I don't know. That line rings really weird to me because Ryan Murphy. There's a um, lot of things
1: that ring weird about this it, show because of Ryan Murphy. That's fair. It, it, I want to say, for this episode, it seems as though they are presenting unique as, like, a drag persona. Which I think yeah is not done badly in this one episode. However, knowing where it goes, it definitely introduces the complicated subject that i don't think any of the writers were well researched enough on where like they don't seem to know as as the character goes on they don't seem to know the difference between a trans woman and a drag queen because for this episode it seems like they are definitely portraying unique as like a drag persona and then the character still goes by wade in their day-to-day life which is totally fine if that was the case however Obviously, we later find out that she, you know, fully wants to be perceived as unique and wants to be called she/her pronouns pretty much all the time. Um, Alex Newell was not out as a gender queer person at the time. Um, if I remember correctly, he was kind of just seen as like a cis male with a high pitched voice,
0: a la Chris Colfer,
1: yeah, um, and and a, you know a little bit more flamboyant, I guess, um, but. Alex Newell also would have been pretty young um, when they were on the Glee project. Hold on. For uh, the record as well, Alex Newell uses any pronouns, so we'll probably um, flip around a little bit for them. So Alex Newell would have been 19 um, during the Glee project. So maybe 1920 during the filming of this episode, basically. As she is introducing this character, um, you know, Kurt and Mercedes are obviously very supportive. But when Unique shares that she wants to go on stage in a dress for regionals, go on stage in a dress and heels, because that's who she feels like she is inside, Mercedes and Kurt are like, ooh, in Ohio, which that's the end of the scene. And we kind of put a pin in it right now. I will say, having only just now met this character, I am a little bit on their side, Just for, like, the safety concerns, because Unique has already explained that, like, she gets bullied by all her teachers, she gets bullied by all the students, she gets bullied by her parents. It is, like, a severe danger to
0: her. Kurt would know. Kurt has literally had his life threatened.
1: Yeah. I like where this episode ends up going with the character, but just, like, for the end of that scene, like, it, it- it- kind of freaks you out because um you're presented with this sympathetic character um, as a trans person I think it's something that I kind of uh, think is important to represent on TV but I'm also kind of siding with Kurt and Mercedes where like sometimes it's just safer in in the situation you're in I will say something else I have I have a lot of feelings about unique as a character so I'm sure Surely. we'll get into it in later episodes I don't love how they seem to have the writers of glee seem to have a very monolithic view of like drag queens are people who make up a character because they were abused that seems to be what is implied with unique this scene and i don't appreciate that because i think that is a negative stereotype about queerness in general but especially trans people that like oh if you think you're the different gender then you must have had a bad relationship with your parents i think it's a negative stereotype and i think it's one that the glee writers wrote because it was the only idea of a trans person that they had
0: part of me is like it's like social media was a thing but it wasn't like as monolithic in the way that it is now with like having communities online kind of more publicly sure If this was today and they were writing it like this, I was like, you know that you could literally just tweet, we are trying to write a trans character. Would some trans people mind talking to us about their experiences for an hour? We will give you monetary compensation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it would be a lot easier to, like, focus group something like this.
0: Yeah. But, like, at the same time, that is not an excuse for how bad this is. (laughs) Well, and I would also say they
1: have Alex Newell here playing... A, a gender queer person playing a gender queer character and that's great. But even just the language development from, you know, this being filmed in twenty twelve to the language that we have to describe gender queer people nowadays, what is it to have feelings and to have the need to express yourself before there's a label and a language and a category for it, you know? Yeah. So I I I do think they kind of did the best that they could as people who don't understand this experience, but there are just a lot of things that I pick away at because I think that trans people deserve good representation. I concur. Um, And so anyway, we go from there to back into the glee club. Everyone's walking in and Brittany goes, did someone steal our floor? Because we look down and it has been replaced with this, like, shiny, beautiful, luminescent disco dance floor. And there's, like, lights everywhere. And it is, ba- it basically looks like a disco club.
0: And it makes me laugh so hard because what Will Schuster says, first of all, does not correct her that no no one's stolen their floor. No. Um, he says, don't worry, we'll have it back by the end of the week. In the meantime, Sue has lent her, has lent us her... Personal, one-of-a-kind, lit-from-within, shatterproof, plexiglass dance floor.
1: He just had this lying around.
0: I love the character moment this is for Sue, that she just owns that. Ever came up before, will never come up again. But goddamn, if Sue Sylvester does not have a lit-from-within, shatterproof, plexiglass dance floor.
1: Um, And she is there, like, fully supporting them. She's like, this week's assignment is Saturday Night Fever.
0: She says, modeled, of course, on the dance floor, immortalized by a young, musky John Travolta at the height of his potency in the legendary dance Saturday Night Fever. Musky. Uh, Musky.
1: (laughs) Musk. So they introduced this week's assignment, Saturday Night Fever, and everyone's like, no, that's so old. We don't like disco. And Will's like, no. Because the the story of Saturday Night Saturday Night Fever is so relatable to you guys. It's about uh, Tony Manero. He works in a paint store and he's struggling to figure out his life. And the only time he feels like hisel- himself is when he's performing. And so he just has this dream and he wants to get to New York. Um, and so they introduce a dance-off where the winner will receive a replica of John Travolta's white polyester suit that is on the cover of uh, of the Saturday Night Fever album. And we see a little cutaway where Becky is like tirelessly slaving over a sewing machine to reproduce it. Um, Just Kurt, goes, Kurt goes, I need that suit, which again, evidence that Kurt Hummel is a disco fan. And they start the song. So, so the song start song starts with Will and Sue, and then Joe and Blaine join it. Apparently, they choreographed this with Joe and
0: Blaine ahead of time, so they knew about it. Also, I have a question: Did I miss something, or did Joe just randomly join the glee club? He joined
1: at the end of last episode. It was such a throwaway thing. He didn't even sing an audition song. Does Joe enjoy disco? We know nothing about this guy other than Christian
0: Dreadlock's homeschooler. I mean, presumably his, because my parents waited 10 years to have kids, perhaps his parents were of a similar generation and they listened to a lot of disco in the house growing up. They go into
1: the cover of Night Fever, also by the Bee Gees. It's fantastic. Um, I will say Matthew Morrison's falsetto is not quite as pretty as Darren Criss's. However, it's still a good cover. Um, I actually do like the little solo they give to Joe. I just find it misplaced because I don't think we have enough context for this character joining in on this song. Yeah. And as they kind of like get the dance train going, everyone slowly joins in. It should be noted, you know, we're kind of focusing on Santana, Mercedes and Finn. And Santana starts off pretty strong. She's one of the first people to join in. Uh, She definitely has dance skills. We knew that about her. Um, Mercedes joins in and she's like a little like offbeat at first but she like kind of gets into the groove of it Finn is not doing great with these dance moves he is barely getting through the like classic disco crossbody point and that's about it for him
0: I think it would have been hilarious if he was actually fantastic at this and it, it was truly disco was the way to get his dancing shoes all along
1: yeah maybe this is what he needed and they as they end the song, um, and so we we kind of knew this going in, but this competition is like slightly rigged towards Santana, Mercedes and Finn. And so they announced, you know, they're the three finalists. And everyone's a little confused, like, how did Finn become a finalist? Because like he's clearly not very good at this. And we cut to Will kind of talking to the three of them alone. And None of them seem to care particularly that much about the whole white suit thing. Like, Kurt was really the only one
0: who was, like, super into it. Um, Yeah, I really think they should have just gone with, like, the dinner for two at Breadsticks would have been a better motivation for these children. And Will's like, okay, guys,
1: but it's not about the suit. It's about living your dreams. And he explains to them that this was all a cruise because he wants them to, you know, decide what they want to do with their lives this week and they once they do they have to perform a song from saturday night fever
0: technically not a crime however i'm gonna call it right now has will schuster committed a crime yes
1: mercedes immediately calls him out she's like so the whole thing was fixed just so you would you would force us to tell you what we want to be when we grow up like what the fuck and he's like look if you want to view it that way fine but your game, this is your game, your life, and time's running out. And i got to say, it's your game, Will. You're the one who's making a game out of these children's lives.
0: Yeah, it's weird.
1: I don't you, like it. He literally devised this entire thing. And we get actually a very nice monologue from Mercedes, I think, where she's like, you know, where does Mr. Shoe get off telling me I don't have a dream? Um, just because I don't want to rush off to New York um and star in a revival of sister act doesn't mean i don't know what i want to do um and she explains that she does want to be a uh star she wants to be a singer she just doesn't know how to get there and she says mercedes jones has desire and ambition so hot it's like a freaking volcano and we go into her cover of tina turno's disco inferno and it's amazing doing a whole dance number they're wearing matching there are costumes yeah uh she is bedazzled out it's giving bejeweled just in the self-expression of it i sh- mercedes amber riley period amber riley end of sentence like, what more do i need to say like she's just amazing and the fact that i mean for a character that we've been told time and time again you know has no energy has no work ethic is lazy. She put this together in a day, choreographs it, performs it, and it should be noted, as she's performing, Sam is filming her on his phone. Uh, as they kind of bring down the number, she explains to everyone, you know, she her dream is Mariah, Whitney, Aretha. She wants to be like them and sing number one hits that inspire people. But it's scary to think about moving to L.A., moving across the country, away from family, and she doesn't know how to get a recording contract or a manager. Yeah. Will says, you know, the cream always rises to the top, Mercedes. And she says, yeah, I'm cream in here. But what if out there I'm just skim milk? Which is a really weird metaphor.
0: It's a weird metaphor, but I kind of like it.
1: Yeah, I, like I follow along. I don't know. Amber Riley is so talented. I cannot imagine her not being one of the most talented people in the room anywhere she goes yeah Um, but i also
0: understand that like mercedes the character is like 18 yeah oh and
1: and i think her insecurity in her talents and her persona is an actually consistent part of her character that i don't think gets enough attention we cut from there to kurt and rachel have a little exchange in the hallway so rachel and finn had a big fight at the end of last episode because he tried to talk to her about potentially moving to LA with puck. And um, she doesn't want him to do that, obviously. Um, And Kurt says, you should go talk to him. And Rachel goes, No, he called me spoiled and self centered. So he can come talk to me first. And Kirk goes, that's a great way to start a marriage. So and Rachel walks away, she doesn't end up talking to Finn, puck comes over and is like, Hey, I want to go apartment shopping in LA. And if I get a one bedroom, you're screwed because two dudes in one bed is like confirmed gay. Puck is, Puck is gross. You know, I'm just going to say, I know we don't like to focus on his character too much, but this unfortunately is like kind of a Puck centric plot. I will point out this was a period when Puck's mohawk was like growing out and it's like weirdly long and floppy and gross. It looks
0: bad. Not, it is very hard for a mohawk to look... For just, like, the, the, the type of mohawk specifically that he has. Like, at least style it somehow. Like, do something with it.
1: Yeah. And this is also a scene where Puck says, like, Finn, you're my best friend. And again, I have to ask, since he- when?
0: <laughs> Puck telling Finn that Finn is his best friend. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I know this isn't a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend podcast, but it's giving you're my best friend and I know you're I'm not yours and that's okay.
1: And Puck kind of expresses to Finn that, like, he wants him in L.A. because if Finn is there with him, the big city won't seem so scary. And Finn kind of brushes it off like, oh, scary, nothing scares you. You're such a tough guy. But obviously, Puck, you know, is sharing a vulnerability there. What I will say is I think there's an interesting comparison to make to Puck wanting Finn out in L.A. with him because he's scared of the big city and Rachel wanting Finn in New York with her. Because she's scared of the big city.
0: It's an interesting comparison to make. And I do really like, when you put it together like that, I do really like the characterization of Fid Hudson as someone who's just comforting. Well, and he's being pulled in so many directions. But I mean, like, from, like, a character perspective, from, like, building out who he is, I think that this is, obviously this was unintentional because nobody thought that Cory Monteith was going to pass away as he did. This characterization of Finn as someone who you just feel safer with. Someone who you feel more comfortable with. Someone who having him by your side. And you also see this with Kurt. Like, the the, the way that Kurt gets, like, not more self-confident in general, but, like, grows as a person once he and Finn, like, become brothers. It goes unacknowledged in the narrative beyond, like, this, like, it would be less scary with you there. Even getting out of, like, he was one of the show's main characters. I think it's stuff like this that makes Finn's death hit so hard.
1: Yeah, I agree. Even though it's not, like, directly referenced. It's, you know, it's not discussed as deeply as we're talking about it now. But I 1,000% agree. It's that implied, like, he is so close to everyone. Yeah. Um. We're going to cut from there. I'm going to kind of skip to the next scene where Sue is calling... Her and Mercedes into her office calls them porcelain and wheezy. She brings to their attention that she knows that this you know student from Carmel visited them, and she thinks you know they're traitors and that they're conspiring with the enemy, and they explain, no, no, like she just came to us asking for advice because she wanted to wear a dress to perform at regionals and so we obviously said that wasn't a great idea just for safety and Sue goes no, 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 you need to advise that they should perform in drag or perform, you know, as a woman because she will tank their chances at regionals. If, um, you know, a drag performer goes on, it will look bad for vocal adrenaline and then we won't have to deal with them at nationals. And she pulls out <laughs> a pair of like bedazzled silver platform heels. They are autographed by former u.s attorney general janet reno from the day that they caught the unabomber what the fuck None of those
0: words are in the bible
1: <laughs> she says that they need to deliver these to unique and that she needs to perform that way for uh regionals uh to help the new directions and then we cut to a personal favorite of mine uh santana performing if i can't have you by yvonne element I love this cover so much. She's doing an amazing job, sweetie. She's just in a beautiful kind of red jumpsuit with like a seventies bandana tied around her forehead. And she's just, oh, I just, she's doing such a great job and she's singing to Britney. If I can't have you like nothing's really happening,
0: but I just, i love the cover. The thing about this episode is that in the episode, the characters are not having a good time with disco. But you can tell that every single member of the cast performing is having the time of their fucking life.
1: They're doing such a good job, sweetie. And, and and I don't have much more to say about that song. It's probably my favorite of the episode. It's just one of the more simplistic numbers. Like it's just her singing. Will gets up at the end and says, "Like oh, I can see exactly where you were going with that. It's more than just a love song. It's conveying your dream that marriage equality will be a reality for everyone." And she's like, "Shut up." I didn't say that shit. Yes, I want marriage equality. And yes, I love Britney, but my mistress is fame. And uh that song was all about how I can't live without fame. And she's Will such an 18-year-old in this scene. Yeah, she's such an 18-year-old. I don't think it was right for Will to go up and like immediately project his ideas onto the song. But then on the other side, I'm like, Santana, you can be so much more than just a Kardashian. Yeah um and you know he advises you know fame is not something to aspire to she goes how about you save the lecture for the theater nerds that are going to starve in new york while desperately trying to tap dance their way into the chorus of godspell no offense gay berry gay Barry being Curtin rachel ship name i guess homophobic also funny yeah. and she says i just i have to read the lines because naya Vera is such a goddess Um, She says, the only difference between you and me is I'm a thousand percent sure that I'm actually going to be famous. Just like I'm a thousand percent sure that our man-child piano player keeps a petite Eurasian locked in a trunk underneath his bed. Sorry, James. What? What the fuck? The things they say about Brad. So disrespectful. And so uh, we cut from there to Finn and Rachel in the auditorium He says, I got your tweet. Anyone who's engaged to me should come to the auditorium.
0: I want to live in a world where Rachel Berry is a real person who actually got famous and we have her Twitter logs going back to 2012. That would be a gold mine. That would be so fucking funny.
1: You know, like how the Lizzie Bennet diaries created like real social medias for all their fictional characters. Imagine if they had done that for Glee.
0: (laughs) Imagine. Chef's kiss. They have their little Finchel episode. They make up.
1: It's a nice moment where they, you know, forgive each
0: other or whatever. Again, heterosexual, like, I don't know what you want me to say. It's giving bad communication skills. Because, like, they don't really... so true. They don't really,
1: like, apologize for anything. They're just like, I miss you. And she says, you know, I've been thinking, of, and you don't have to go to New York. If you don't want to go to New York, then we don't have to. And she says, I don't want to stand in the way of your dreams. Um, And Finn says, oh, well, I did one of those quizzes online that's supposed to tell you what job you'd be good at. And his results were competitive eating champion, which is hilarious. And Rachel expresses, you know, my whole life, I felt like I was in the wrong place. And all I had to do was just go to New York and be home. Um, But my home isn't someplace, it's someone. And even though I want us to go to New York, you know, I want us to stay together more. You know, I love you so much that I will just, you know, go wherever you go. Which, girl.
0: Girl, no. The the thing that's funniest to me about all of this is they're not even willing to try long distance.
1: When it wouldn't even be that, like, I'm not saying Ohio to New York isn't a long distance. But you know what's a lot longer? Ohio to LA that Mercedes is planning. Like, it's one time zone. Yeah. Yeah and rachel's like well you know i just want to sing to you about how much i love you um and yeah because she because she has pulled her own song from the movie that she wants to do even though it wasn't her fucking assignment it was only an assignment for Finn, mercedes and santana and she sings how deep is your love um by also the bgs and it's fine <laughs>
0: It, it yeah i mean it doesn't
1: sound bad i don't particularly like this song to begin with in in defense like it's it is very slow moving and it's a little like bleh. and so in comparison to other like fun disco songs it's like okay yeah um and then yeah rachel singing it and i'm it's like it's not I don't giving
0: care. disco if that makes sense yeah and so
1: we end up talking to i think it's Emma and then Will a little bit um about some of Finn's plans and they're giving him a bunch of uh college applications that would be for athletics and um theater things and it's like a whole huge stack and he is like okay haha i guess i'll go read these and they're like no rush no rush though but the applications are due soon. So, like, maybe a little rush. And he's I like, okay. Rush. Yeah. Um, And it, it, it is very sweet that they're helping him. But I think it's almost making it worse. Because he's like, ooh, the pressure is really fucking on. Yeah. Oh. Fuck. I forgot this happened this episode. We cut to Santana walking down the hallway. And someone says... That, hey Santana, watching two girls, one cat was like staring into the face of God. Thank you. New favorite movie. And Brittany comes up and explains that she posted their sex tape to the internet. For the record, this is this is child pornography, as was stated in the um the in the scene where you know Lauren and Puck were gonna make them last season. Brittany is a junior she's not arguably 18 and of course she's the stupid character here you know she's such a dumb blonde um and apparently she like spliced together the sex tape with videos of lord tubbington performing household chores and santana is horrified and goes like that was supposed to be private we made it for ourselves and white like this ruins everything for me um and britney's like well you said you wanted to be famous and all of the famous people i know have sex tapes and i know that i compared santana to kim kardashian earlier but like
0: yeah i'm not loving that
1: this was such an easily avoidable plot line I don't think that it they did needed. not need to
0: happen at all. It could have just been like, "Hey Santana, you know that the easiest way to do that would just be a sex tape."
1: What they what they could have done is similar to what they did with Lauren and Puck, where like, "Oh, it's suggested," and then a teacher comes along and is like, "No, that's a bad idea." What they could have done is Brittany coming up and suggesting, like, "Oh, hey, I could post this online, and that would make you famous," and then Santana would have the realization that, like, "Oh no, that's not what I want." it could have just been a discussion it would have still been i think a gross joke to make but you know it it could have been a lot shorter it could have been a lot less uncomfortable yeah um it have been a lot less violating yeah violating is a good word for it um we cut to finn talking to will again where uh, will brings him the entire stack of papers that they had handed him in the previous episode and says that he found them in the trash so apparently will had just so apparently finn had just like tossed them out immediately um and finn is like well i don't know what to say because i would rather puke than spend a minute in any of those places but rachel is so hopeful and she wants the best for me until she really realizes that her fiance is a total loser And I just want to say a little, a little, what's the word for it? The opposite of foreshadowing, a little throwback to Quinn always calling Finn and Puck Lima losers. Yeah. I definitely think that that is a part of this here. He is like terrified of being a loser um, with no skills or no future. And he doesn't know what to do with his life because he's not qualified for anything. And he just wants time to stop.
0: He's having decision paralysis.
1: Yeah. And he's like, oh, I want it to feel like I'm on the football field. Or I want it to feel like I'm on stage. And everyone's cheering for me. And Will says, well, let's find something out there that gives you that feeling. And he says, the feeling of being young? Where is it? Show me. Oh, God. Cory Monteith's acting. And Will, instead of giving actual advice in this scene will uh pulls out saturday night fever and is like this is your glee homework you need to watch saturday night fever which is so
0: not relevant to this i really think not helpful at all will it's really not it's mad not it's yeah we cut from there
1: back into this santana situation where she is, again, being, like, harassed in the lo- uh, library. Some kid is filming her on his iPhone. And Brittany comes up and is like, uh, are you going to thank me for uh, your newfound fame? And also, to be clear, like, she's really only quote-unquote famous, like, in the school that knows who she is. Yeah. It seems like. Which, I mean, is, like, A, not real fame. And B, she didn't want to get famous from this anyway. So now just everyone that she knows in real life knows that there's a sex tape out here. God, can we mention Santana's potential PTSD from being outed to the entire state and then having a sex tape leaked online? Like, God.
0: It's bad. They put Santana through so much shit and they're like, why is she such a bitch? She has every fucking right to I fucking wonder why.
1: And she's like, look, I understand that you think you were helping me but we need to take the video down. Um, and Brittany, of course, is clueless and is like, well, you know, it made Snooki famous, um, but we just need to book you a reality TV gig.
0: She does have a line that's quite funny, which is, I've seen your car, so you could be on Hoarders. Yeah, that is funny. And Santana goes like, no, no.
1: And, and yeah, Brittany suggests going on Fear Factor too, like they just need to get used to eating gross stuff. And she's like, well, just let me know how far you're willing to go for fame. It's up to you. I think maybe kind of hints that Britney is a little smarter than she's letting on and is maybe like purposefully like, I don't know, kind of taunting Santana with the wrong kind of fame. But if that is the case, then she didn't have to upload a sex tape to do it.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, and there's a place for her to make that point without having released their sex tape online.
1: Yeah. We cut from there to um, Kurt and Mercedes showing up at what is the Carmel Highs regional competition, which I don't know why Carmel is not in the same district as McKinley now. I don't know why they're in different regional competitions. No nose um and you know apparently kurt and mercedes did end up sending unique the uh high heels however and Kurt, kurt kind of explains you know oh i'm flamboyant i'm gay but i've never dressed up like a woman like you know that's just not the same flamboyance that's okay and unique says well that's because you identify yourself as a man
0: which is interesting because Because previously it was like unique was a drag persona. Yeah. So is
1: unique an identity and identify as a woman as unique? Or is it a drag persona? Which is a complicated issue. And a lot of uh, genderqueer people or drag performers would have a lot to say about that. And so boiling it down to one line of like, well, you identify as a man is like very reductive. There's so much to say about gender expression in this conversation and i cannot get into it in our hour-long podcast this is already going long
0: yeah we really do try to keep this shit trim and we do a really bad job
1: Uh, jesse comes up and says oh well look who schuster sent a spy on me the laziest person alive and the pasty-faced ghost boy what the fuck
0: what the fuck jesse yeah
1: um and it should be noted that unique is not in drag yet she like puts on a wig and a dress but jesse does not see her like in the the get up just yet but they jesse walks away and they start to perform boogie shoes and it they do this actually beautiful reveal i think of unique um in a gorgeous like flapper black dress she's bedazzled the fuck out she looks amazing
0: and Slink Sound Houston, I'm deceased, or whatever that TikTok said. Alex Newell's fucking voice and like performance ability
1: is so strong. What I wouldn't give to see Alex Newell perform live. I want to see her in shut I want to see her uh in concert. Uh I would have loved to see her in Once Upon This Island. It's so good. This is a Glee cover I consistently listen to, just apart from everything else. It's so good. And the choreography is amazing, as most Vocal Adrenaline performances are. What I will say is Vocal Adrenaline has gotten a lot smaller. It has, like, maybe 12 people tops in it now.
0: Yeah, it's a bit strange. Yeah, it's a couple
1: pairs of, like, guy-girl dancers and then Unique doing the lead singing um it used to be a troop of like 40 people when jesse was in it so i guess he's made it really unbearable for people
0: i will never stop thinking about vocal adrenaline bohemian rhapsody and that is the standard that i hold every other yeah vocal adrenaline thing to. and we th- that
1: performance actually ends up being a huge hit so you know sue's plan also failed that you know oh if unique goes on, then it's going to tank vocal adrenaline's chances. Like people actually end up loving it because Alex Newell is such a fucking good performer. And we cut from there to Finn and Rachel talking again. And he's like, hey, I figured out what song I want to do from Saturday Night Fever. And suddenly he's like all inspired, but it doesn't work without a dance partner. And he does the BGs more than a woman. And it's so good. This one's really cute and sweet it like normally I kind of roll my eyes at like a Finn and Rachel number just like we just did with the how deep is your love but like he actually does a really cute dance with her it's slow so we can kind of keep up with it and like their chemistry is so beautiful and you know do you ever just get sad about Cory Monteith yes yeah yeah <laughs> and then it and then you know as the song goes on Kurt and Blaine join them and Santana and Britney join them and they're all in these beautiful little like swishy disco outfits they're it's so good it's really romantic I'm not like a huge fan of this song but like this it it really makes it he says that you know because he finally watched Saturday Night Fever and he's realized that he's a lot like Tony and he has decided that he, like Tony, wants to move to New York and live with Rachel. And Rachel is overjoyed with this news because this does align with her plan and is like, great, we can just go to New York together. And he decides that he also wants to join an acting school or or wants to do um, inside the actor's studio, which is kind of interesting because I don't feel like we've ever seen Finn take an interest in acting before. I think it would make more sense. Yeah,
0: acting not really he he, did he even try out for west side story i don't think he did
1: yeah he wasn't in west side story he was brad in rocky horror kind of i don't know it's a weird take on the character i think it's because it is supposed to be framed as like a little bit of a snap decision for him um i think it would have made more sense if he had said like oh i do want to go to new york it's just that college isn't for me which I, I think does end up being true. Like it's it's the university setting that doesn't work for him. He still wants to do something creative with performing. Um, yeah. And he says, you know, I was always afraid to admit it, admit that he wanted to be a performer because he was scared of failing, but he's not scared anymore because of Rachel, which is very, very sweet Um, that like they can dream big together. And she says, you're my hero. And it's it's like, actually, I kind of love that.
0: It's, it's cute. It's sweet. I, you can't deny that. We
1: cut to Mercedes walking through the hallway. Kurt and Mercedes are talking, of course, about how the unique performance was such a big success. And Sam approaches Mercedes and says like, hey, I know we haven't talked much, but I, I have, have something I need to show you.
0: Sorry, I wanted to say one more thing about the Finn and Rachel interaction, which is Finn yeah. says, I want to be a great man for you, Rachel, and I want to see myself the way you see me, like I'm capable of anything.
1: Oh, so good. Tears in my eyes. If I think too much about how this relates to Corey Monteith
0: and Leah Michelle's relationship, I will cry. I, legally speaking, I cannot think about Finn Hudson and Corey Monteith for too long, or I get too crazy. We make fun of Finchel a lot on this show, and they do deserve it, but... But those were real people, too, you know?
1: Yeah. Anyway, we have to go. We have to move on. We need to um, finish this. Sam pulls Mercedes aside and shows her that he uploaded her performance of Disco Inferno. Uh, of course, she's a little upset at first that he like posted it to YouTube without asking her. But it already has almost uh, 500 comments only or it has 485 comments, 484 of them are positive. One of them is disappointed because they thought Mercedes Inferno was a car failed video. And so it's like already hit like a little bit of virality. And she's like, I cannot believe you did this for me. And uh, he's like, look, even complete strangers believe in your talent. And so you just need to find your way out to L.A. and do your thing and let your dream become a reality and he says your cream rising to the top and like i love sam and mercedes's relationship it's
0: so cute i don't like how she cheated on her her partner for him but it is cute yeah they,
1: they kiss at the end of the scene i think it's a it's a good way to get them back together go from there to um Santana and Brittany in Sue's office and Sue calls Santana boobs magoo which is a little funny and you know of course she's disappointed in them for making the sex tape but obviously sex tapes are a dime a dozen these days and she said she made a sex tape
0: with Oliver North insane what insane person to name drop in there yeah um and also it was released on Betamax she says she thinks dick cheney still has a copy i hate it here what the fuck and and she says she's so
1: disappointed in santana because you just want to be famous and you don't care how you get you don't care how you get there and santana's like yes i learned my lesson i'm embarrassed i want to do something something with my life i want to have substance um and i do want to go to college which is interesting too because earlier this episode she was like college
0: is for losers and And sue hands her something and says like i'm i'm one step ahead of you yeah santana's like what is this so sue went and i don't know how college applications for scholarships and stuff work i assume she just like cut together things of santana cheerleading yeah um and like sent the the standard application stuff which i think some of that you have to sign i wouldn't think that you could just do that for someone without them knowing but what do i know um, I can understand how Sue could write a very strong letter of recommendation. But she got Santana a full ride from the University of Louisville.
1: Which is amazing. It's apparently the nation's nation's top cheerleading program.
0: Sue is fully supportive of Like, I know you don't want to be a cheerleader for the rest of your life, but this is your foot in the door. You can get a degree in anything. Then she says something kind of racist, which ruins the moment, but...
1: I, I this is a beautiful moment for Sue considering how much she's just tortured all the cheerleaders you know and the thing
0: is it was Britney's idea yeah
1: such an amazing opportunity for Santana like you could literally go anywhere once you have a full ride you just gotta you just gotta do some cheerleading on the side make sure do you keep sports. your brace up like that's yeah and so this is amazing and you know a, a smart moment from Britney too um, And I guess it's assumed that she did take the sex tape down and they say that they love each other at the end. And it's very beautiful. And then we cut to the last scene where they announce that all three of the, uh, all three of them, Santana, Santana, Mercedes and Finn have won the white polyester suits. And um, in celebration, they're all going to do a group number where suddenly they all
0: have white polyester suits and they do stay in alive. I don't understand it at all, but it means so much to me. I don't know how they all have the suits. I don't know how they all changed their tune about disco so completely, but I love it. Hey, I hope this episode
1: made a lot of people change their tune about disco.
0: I agree. As noted, I'm a disco lover. I, I think it's such a fun genre. We
1: pretty much like all of the songs this episode. My personal favorite is If I Can't Have You.
0: Since you took said that one already, I'm gonna do the other one I was thinking, and I'm gonna, of course, do Disco Inferno.
1: Yeah, they're all so strong. I would also say Boogie Shoes, More Than a Woman. You should like they're good. Um, the lowest ranking one is How Deep Is Your Love, just because it's a little meh. And then uh, next episode is called Dance with Somebody, which is their Whitney Houston tribute episode. Actually, um, forced. Um, plot i will say i think they did it because it kind of fell in line with whitney houston's death and so it you know it was just a good time for them to do a bunch of whitney kind of some evolution with joe and quinn which is a little weird and also we get a so emotional cover for all my drag race fans out there this
0: isn't is this the cheating episode it's not right but it's okay oh yes it's your favorite episode (laughs) It's so undescribably camp. All of them who have all cheated on all of the rest of them and how excessive it is elevates it to camp. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Pod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. Uh, vote on our polls. Leave us reviews. Let us know what you think. We'd love to know what you think. Um, Do you disagree? Do you think disco sucks? If you think that, you are wrong. But you can tell us why you think that. I won't listen. Okay, thanks. Bye.
1: Okay, thanks. Bye.